Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. Yes, and we are talking about The O.C., The O.C. Season 4. And Kevin, I am so sad for reasons that have nothing to do with The O.C. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> Yes. Right. Yesterday I went for a drive. I had to go to Canadian Tire so I could get LED light-changing citronella candles. That's not why I'm sad. Those are awesome. Okay. I don't know how they work. <laughs> but figure them out. You light them. Because they're real candles. You light them. The LED stuff comes on. And then when you blow them out, the LED turns off. Or it might be heat activated. I don't know. And like sometimes during the daytime, you can see them going a little bit. It's mysterious, and I love it. Could be heat activated then. Probably. <laughs> but the reason that I am sad is because in order to get these candles, I had to drive past the Delta South in Calgary, Alberta. Oh, where normally, if it wasn't 2020, uh, <laughs> we would be going to our writers' conference in a month, less than a month, like a in week. like two weeks? Like two weeks? Two weeks yeah. we would have gone? Yeah. And like, I've driven past this hotel many times over the past little while because Canadian Tire is an essential service. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that one's closer to you than the one that's on our street. I had to buy a bike helmet, and I had to pick up an online order. Yeah. And, like, so I've just driven past this hotel several times, yeah. and I've watched their, like, um, guest ship, yeah. I guess, slowly increase. Yeah. And, like, the parking lot was pretty full yesterday. It was bumping, and I was like, oh, there should be space for us. <laughs> But we're not quite there yet, 2020. No, you can't. You know, you can have hotels, you just can't have conferences. You can't cram. You can't cram 50 that people into a room. Into one room. Uh, I do like though. At this point, I can just sort of say, because like, it really seems like that's where it's going. You can just sort of say, well, because it was 2020, the dark year. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> like we had two and a half good months at the beginning here in here in North America. Uh, we had two and a half good months at the beginning. But and even I, those were... Uh, I mean, it was Calgary. We had days that were minus 50. No one was doing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if this does truly continue, as it might in where we live, where... Who, boy? <laughs> I mean, we will say, we're not America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but once you start comparing yourself, be like, well, you know, we're not hell. <laughs> You know, we're also not the worst province, but we're hitting our second wave. Yeah. We're, essentially. Yeah, well, we're we're a pretty rough city in the province. We're also doing insane testing, though. Like, we're yeah. doing 10,000 tests a day, and, like, I think 7,000 of those are in our city. Which is good. Which is good. Yeah. More, so, more testing would make There's more. a lot of things to consider, but all in all, you put those things we consider together, and it means no writing conference. <laughs> And potentially this will just keep going until 2021, which is why I will forever now just refer to 2020 as the dark year. Is the year where, like, don't get me wrong, a lot happened. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not turning a year older this year. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone gets the year. <laughs> you what, every, everybody just take the year, just write it off in your timesheets. Uh, you don't have to count it for anything, really. But you I'm, don't have to take your vacation time. Well, like, don't worry. It's funny because when words collide, this was the tenth year anniversary. They're just going to do it next year. Yeah, next year is just going to be next tenth year, year is the tenth year. It's just it doesn't count. It's not a year. Yeah, you, yeah, you're not getting a year older. Like all, all the social progress and things like that that can stay, but like your own life stuff just. No, your life doesn't matter this year. It's fine. Yeah, no, exactly. Except for our ba- baby niece. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be really weird when she's born again on January. Uh, <laughs> no, no, her birthday is December 29th. It's okay. <laughs> okay, so when she turns one day old on December 30th. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird when you're like, oh, look at this one day old baby. With look at her walking. You're walking. Saying mommy. <laughs> I'm, I am trying to figure out what is the age where we can start using that joke on the baby when the baby will start understanding it. And not just and not just horribly confuse a child. Like at what at what level? What level of cognitive thinking does she need? At what level can the baby be brought in on the bit without uh, possibly confusing her for the rest of her life? Being like, so wait, am I eight or nine? How old am I? It depends on the joke we're telling. <laughs> I mean, maybe never. Yeah, she might always. She might forever be like, ah, oh, Uncle Kevin and Auntie Aaron. Ugh. <laughs> I almost called myself anti-weir. That's not That's right. That's both our last name. All right. Well, we're not talking about that for much longer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we were for a time, but that time no longer exists, much like 2020 no longer exists. Yes. Now we're going to talk about uh, The O.C., uh, season four of it, uh, an episode that is very strange. An episode that has, I think, five plots. There's a lot going on with it, so we're going to try to, like, really push through. And the problem is that a lot of these plots are accumulations of things. Like, at least one of the accumulations of things is actually important. Yeah. But, God, it really just feels like this season is just spinning its wheels towards something. It's like the season is too long, but this season is, in fact, shorter <laughs> than the other seasons. Yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not surprised they got canceled in this season. Because I don't think I can really say... Any like things change, but it's been ten episodes. I'm not sure if anything happened. The only thing that we've achieved so far is that Ryan is mostly happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's just get into it. We'll figure out this episode as we go through it because it is the OC season four, episode ten, the French Connection. The French Connection. <laughs> It's sunset in the OC. Yes. And Taylor comes to visit Ryan. For at work. three weeks before Valentine's Day present. Which just means that time has been dragging in the OC. When they said Valentine's Day, I'm like, oof, already mid mid February, here we go. I was like, oh, didn't they already do Valentine's Day? <laughs> no, well, we knew last episode was just post. New, New Year's. Year's. But that means this is only like... This is three weeks before Valentine's Day, so it's still middle of January. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, Taylor has a gift for Ryan because she cannot wait because she's Taylor. It's the perfect gift. <laughs> I would I would, I would, would dare to tell her that this gift is one of those gifts that can wait because it is a... Scrapbook. So the longer you wait, the more stuff you can put in it. And if there's one thing that Taylor should know about her relationship with Ryan is that it is full of moments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in this case, the scrapbook, what it is full of is, like, don't get me wrong, it's pretty sweet, but it's also kind of... 
It has like their hospital bracelets from when they were in those cool comas. <laughs> it has the receipt for the George Foreman grill they destroyed. Yeah. It has a bunch of pictures that Taylor secretly takes of Ryan with her camera phone when he doesn't know that she's taking them. It has the le- the letter that Ryan signed to legally say that they are Except I thought he didn't have to sign it. No, he did sign it, but then he they didn't need it. Right. Because his kiss was so full of passion, so right. I guess Taylor got to keep it. Right, she has the legally binding letter <laughs> that says that they are dating. So, so romantic. But you know what? Ryan knows that Taylor's excited about this gift, so yeah. he's yeah, yeah. he's appreciative. So it's a sweet moment, and then t- Taylor suddenly zo- like zones out with this absolute horror. She plays off of being like, oh no, it's just a... Uh, it's a new bookstore. I love bookstores. I love bookstores. I'm going to go over there right now and uh, check out the bookstore. It's a good thing Ryan only had three minutes left of his break. <laughs> yeah, or else he would have went there as well. But Ryan goes back to work and Taylor goes to the bookstore. And she was not looking at the bookstore. She was looking at a specific book in the bookstore. Yes, they just got a new book in. It is called A Season for Peaches. Written by Henri Michel. Um, I think he, I think it's, it, am I crazy? Is it Henri Michel Townsend? <laughs> I'm sure I sure hope it is. <laughs> that is. That's his romance writing name. Uh, now, I just want to give everyone a quick reminder, because <laughs> this will come up a lot in this episode. Um, just remind everyone that Peaches are referring to Taylor's breasts, and we learned very clearly here that it's also the name he uses for her. Which is very upsetting. <laughs> which, which, as a man, I can't. I didn't know if I could comment on that. But like, but that fe- that feels upsetting <laughs> to be like my nickname for you is, is your nick- boobs. Is, uh, yeah, effectively, he is calling her uh uh breasts. It's like if a guy uh, boobies. Like, it's good to see you again. Uh, old two boobs. Uh, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> good old shape of the boobs. It's good. It's good to see you again. It's been so long since I've seen you specific shape that I have described your boobs as. No, Taylor responds. That's that a much less romantic film, though, that I would like to point out the shape of water. Ah, True. the shape of boobs. <laughs> Taylor responds appropriately to this book by being horrified. Yes. Uh she she has a quick talk uh with the guy and he sort of describes like what the book is. So she could clarify this is very clearly about me, and it is very clearly about her. And is horrified Taylor to credits. Yeah. And then as we come back... Seth, he's ready for his trip to Seattle. Well, he's not quite ready. The one thing he needs is a sleep pillow from Ryan. You know, one of those things that go around your neck when you're on an airplane. The other thing he needs is advice from Ryan about how this is pure nonsense. But Seth says, no, this is not pure nonsense. I suck, as you know. So Neil will surely say no to me, which means I won't have to marry Summer. Yeah, his his plan is that he's going to go to Seattle and just really ham up his terribleness in front of his, who he does actually hope to one day marry. Just not right now. Just not right now. Her father... And in my head, I added in the caveat, like, so you have to you have to be bad enough that he says, no, you can't marry her, but not bad enough that he'll immediately call her and be like, no, he's terrible. You got to break up with him. And he needs to be the type of terrible that he can grow back from. Yeah. Which, it's a real elaborate plot. It's a real elaborate plot. And somehow Seth does not see any problem with it. This is going to be the first of two plots in this episode that fits better. You know what? 
This is the first of three plots in this episode, I'm going to say, that would fit better in a sitcom than it would in this. Like, they're, they're the kind of plots that I see, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm excited to see where this goes. Except for you know it's the OC, so you know it's going to have to be taken way too seriously. And it won't be nearly funny enough, because no one's going to end up climbing out of a window. <laughs> Speaking of plots that take better place in a sitcom, in comes Taylor, and she tells Ryan about the book, and she begs him, please don't read the book, Ryan. And Ryan would have never heard of this book <laughs> if yes. not for Taylor. She says that I, just, I, I said that I had to be open with you, and I'm like... Don't get me wrong. Openness is good in a relationship. This might be one of the things you keep under your hat for a little while. Not right when it's in the middle of its big, like, press tour. <laughs> it's like if there's one thing we know about Ryan, he does not care about romance novels. <laughs> yeah. And the way she describes him is like, it's this book. Well, I mean, we don't see the big description, but we do see her constantly explaining how sexual it is. And we that will be an ongoing theme is that this book is effectively, like, Fifty Shades of Grey. But written by a Frenchman. Written by a Frenchman. Now, Ryan... And not his fan fiction of Twilight, though. Hey, yeah. you know what? Maybe it was. Maybe that's what Taylor and Henri Michel's relationship was based on. <laughs> Twilight. Now, uh, Taylor and Ryan have not had sex. That was a plot point. Um, at and this Summer point, thought she was pregnant. I, at this point, it's unknowable. No, because they definitely have sex in this episode. So they made it a big deal that they hadn't had sex. Unless if what he was referring to, because we, we, we get the shorthand in this uh, episode where people keep on referring to pages from the book. Mm -hmm. People will be like, oh, you know, page 47, or oh, don't go page 12, or like, let's do the thing from page 112. So unless if the things they're referring to are not sex... They, they definitely have sex this episode, is all I'm saying. I'm just saying they made a big deal or, about the fact that they didn't have sex yet. Or at least they they imply it way too hard that they have sex. That they to dial back from To now. dial back from it later. And so, who knows? They have, they have Schrodinger sex. <laughs> anyway, it is very much clarified that this book is a sexual epic, according to some very famous book reviewer. Mm -hmm. But it's a novel, not a memoir. Yes. Novel. 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 Hmm. So I'm actually very, this is one of the things, I'm very excited, like, this is actually, I think, a hilarious plot line of, you, someone wrote, like, this is, I'm at the point that's almost classic, someone wrote the <laughs> sex life of your current girlfriend, and do you read the book, it's kind of silly, but it's the OC, so I know they're gonna have to take it seriously, but we get, we're gonna get some good goofs before that moment. So speaking of people taking things seriously, Julie Cooper Nichols and Spencer very seriously pick which guy is going to sleep with one of her clients. Well, I mean, she is a she's a high class prostitution ring and they're they they demand customer satisfaction, I guess. Still don't understand why she can't stop doing this. Because, Aaron, that handsome Kevin Sorbo said it is makes you an independent person. That relies on Spencer Bullet. That relies way too heavily on Spencer doing a lot of the work. There, there are multiple times in this episode where, the, the, where you, you come up with, like, the problem is not actually what you're doing. The problem is that you have to realize that it is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, do the whole talk about whether or not sex work should be legal or not. That is, that, that is the thing. Like, if, if they want to go that route and that's the discussion, sure. But the point is that she's she is masquerading their dating service as a prostitution ring and was going to stop. And, like, 
I mean, I guess if she wanted to have a dating service that's just cougars date young men. That, that we, That's we, fine. Yeah, we already know that's a thing. <laughs> so, like, do that, and, Julie. And if they were going to have sex. Who cares? Who cares? That's their thing. But but I think she says it's like $25,000. Yeah. Those are, those are high-class male prostitutes. College boys. College boys. So, um... Kirsten comes in, Julie tells some half-baked lie about how Spencer was there to move furniture around, but of course none of the furniture was moved. Nonsense. And Kirsten is suspicious of this utter, complete nonsense. Kirsten will be suspicious for a lot of this. uh, Kirsten has been suspicious since New Year's and not made a move. And it's, well, and the weird thing about it is that she's suspicious to the point that you think she knows what's going on in certain scenes, then it becomes very aware she has no idea what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> do you think she thinks that Julie is just sleeping with Spencer and cheating on Bullet, and I, she's just worried the Bullet's going to pull the money? I I cannot comprehend what Kirsten thinks is going on with the things she does in this episode. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. First, we have to get to another storyline. So, for those keeping track, this is now our fourth storyline. Yeah, yeah. In this storyline, Summer reads Modern Bride... Taylor's like, your marriage is doomed. You don't want to marry him. Yeah. Summer's like, no, I know everything. And Taylor's like, okay, well, why don't you go talk to another person who's married? Yeah. And and do you know who it is, audience? It's Holly. Holly's back. Holly. Holly from season one has returned and she got married last summer. Which means she got married. Okay. When Taylor says last summer, she means the summer after high school, right? I have to imagine she got married the summer after high school. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. She the the summer that just passed because they are in That's February. Right, it is February. All yes. right. I accept that. Yeah. So we also set up in this scene that something that will be constantly repeating. Everybody is reading a season for peaches. <laughs> summer has been reading it and very much just shaming on. On the girl in the book. The girl in the book. Which, I mean, Summer, we know what you and Seth do. Come on, Summer. You had sex in a box facing a door. Yeah. (laughs) Do not judge hypothetical Taylor. And there's this joke where um, Taylor's like, well, she just has a healthy sexual curiosity. And Taylor, or, and Summer goes, yeah, for a hooker. This is what, we get this a couple times in this episode where it feels like they brought in, like, one sitcom writer. I said this in other episodes of MOA as well. They brought in one sitcom writer to punch up the script with some, like, sitcom jokes that feel really regressive in the space. Yeah, this is, like, 2009 by now, probably. 2008, yeah. So this is, like, just before – it was a while ago, but it still feels like these these jokes are from the 90s. Like, I remember this time. I was a young adult. Yeah. No one was making hooker jokes. Yeah. Anyway. I, yeah, you could, you could be not – you know, sexually liberated, but yeah, it feels weird. Speaking of people who are reading the book, some guy <laughs> will continue to always be in Ryan's restaurant. Oh, yeah. And he loves this book. And he he will talk to anyone with an earshot about it. <laughs> yeah, because Sandy comes in <laughs> and Sandy says that Kirsten's reading it. And then him and the guy... <laughs> Like, kind of banter, then Ryan goes, it's Taylor. Taylor's in the book. The, the book about Taylor. So he goes, oh, no. And he goes, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I found I found that book way too stimulating. Disaster. That's my future daughter-in-law. <laughs> oh, no. Now, in our fifth storyline of the episode, for those keeping track, 
I can't forgive Caitlin anymore. <laughs> Caitlin, Caitlin pretend she doesn't care about women's rights. Okay. The way that I wrote down this scene is Caitlin fat shamed some suffragettes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the joke was good. I thought the joke was going to be that their dresses were too big because because the next thing she says is well the, the first joke is how do they even fit in the voting boxes? And it shows uh, it shows a woman wearing like a poofy out dress. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I know. Caitlyn thinks what they're wearing is dumb because she's is stylish, but she's also like the cool edgy kid. And then she falls away being like, they should have eaten less cheeseburgers. And like, there's another joke from the sitcom writer from the '90s, which is like this. Of all the things that Caitlyn is, this is not Caitlyn. Yeah, look, I don't like Caitlyn, and this feels out of place for Caitlyn. Like, as if, if she was making fun of their clothing, I'd be like, that is in line with Caitlyn. But we, the weird fat shaming of suffragettes, and this goes, oh, it's just a joke when, when Will is like... Why are you what? fat shaming suffragettes? <laughs> Why are you fat shaming the suffragettes? They did, they did a lot. Like, this, this like, is- and Caitlyn, out of all characters... Like Caitlyn does care about women's rights. This 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 is a line from season one, summer. Yeah, yeah, or, or Holly, or Holly. This episode. So, um, essentially, Caitlyn and Will have a little bit of banter, and then she asks him to hang out, and mm-hmm. he asks her if it's a date, and they play date chicken. Yeah, and then they agree to hang out at her house together, and in come the wards, and they just <laughs> bluster about how Will's a nerd for a while. The wards are the most high school students this show has ever done. They're so well written. They're so well written in high school because they walk up to Ward, and the only in not Ward Will they are the wards. Um, they walk <laughs> up to Will, and the only insult they have is. Hey, nice book, Professor. <laughs> yeah, and they're going goes, yeah, Professor. <laughs> well, it's like, okay. Bye. Bye, bye weirdos. And then they go up to Caitlin. They're like, he's a nerd. He's not like us. We surf into water polo. He's a professor of dark. <laughs> Did you hear my professor joke, Caitlin? And Caitlin uh, just Caitlin's at them. Well, no, I mean, she does you, – you can see that this is where it's going now because when they're like, oh, he doesn't surf, he doesn't play water pole. I'm like, neither does Caitlyn. I guess yeah. Caitlyn's a girl, so she isn't ascribed to the same – But, Kevin, remember how Caitlyn doesn't care what anyone thinks of her? It, it's, it seems really weird that the, the wards I, – I, this scene makes me really wonder why the wards and the Caitlyn hang, so, hang out together so much. I think they grew up together. I guess that I guess that has to be it. Well, I, but she spent a lot of time out off at. The thing that I don't get is like it's very clear what the arc of this storyline is going to be, which yeah. is Caitlin's nervous about dating a nerd. Yeah, which is not in Caitlin's character. Caitlin doesn't care. Caitlin doesn't care who thinks she's cool. Though, though, like hasn't that been clearly established? Though it seems like maybe there is a certain idea of that she has a. She does have some concept of her personal image. Like she, the, we do know that Caitlyn does have an image thing That's where she, she wants to. She is the bad girl. Yeah, and she thinks that dating him because it's not that he's a nerd; is that he's not. He's too good. He's too, yeah, is like oh, you know, uh, I'm I'm the I'm the bad kid and I'm the bad guy. Billie Eilish will be very popular in 2019. That's when this one came out. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, every that's the thing. Everyone in the show are slaves to their perceptions. You know what? It's hard to be a teenager. Speaking of slaves to their perceptions, Summer meets with Holly. And Holly is 
everything that Holly once was. I love that Holly has not evolved at all because she's not been on the show. She even says this by saying, well, Summer, after you started dating Seth, you kind of dropped off the radar. And I'm like, Holly, you dropped off the radar from our perspective. Hey, Holly, remember when you hooked up with Luke and Tijuana and then Marissa <laughs> almost overdosed? That's they... what we think of when we think of you. <laughs> and then you disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that was four years ago. And Holly was for sure certain that she wanted to get married. And now she's one of the uh, newly oh, – nu- the Noopsie Weds. I just – I refuse to call them that, so I just call them the new Noopsies. Oh, I call them the baby Noopsies. Yeah, that's essentially what yeah. they're set up as. They are the – they are the up-and-coming, the new ones who will soon take the place of all the pretty people that Kirsten hates. Now, being a wife is great. All you have to do when you're a wife is work out in the morning, then go for lunch, then go shopping. So at the age of 18, Holly is a stay-at-home wife. Isn't it great to have no ambitions in life? Isn't it great to not have a mind that needs to be stimulated? I mean, I think that seems like that that, that is Holly's ambition. That's true. I, I will say that she has achieved her ambition just at 18. Which, good for her. It's gonna be... Ultimately unsatisfying. She's going to hit the Julie point. Ooh. 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 When her husband eventually is arrested for embezzlement. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was, that, was that what it was? Yeah. It was yeah. embezzlement, yeah. Yeah, he was stealing money from his clients to buy things and then reinvesting them in the stock market. And The, the thing was, I was trying to remember, with, uh, it doesn't really matter, but I was trying to remember if that's technically embezzlement or if embezzlement has to be from a corporation. It doesn't matter. It's the same crime, just different names. Meanwhile, Ryan wants to read that sexy book. He gets off work. He goes to look at the sexy book. He reads a page. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> and then he is forced by the bookseller to meet the author. Oh, yeah. Henri is just hanging out there in a very small... Uh, new bookstore. N- new bookstore. Newport. New new Newport bookstore. Uh, which, you know, on, on author tours, you take trips wherever you go. And, like, 100% he went there on purpose. He pretends the book tour made him go there. <laughs> mm, yeah, there's he he knows where... Taylor like, lives. It's, it's, no, this is right across from where uh, his, whatever his guy, what is it, the the lawyer guy, oh, yeah. first met Taylor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, definitely that lawyer who's a family friend lawyer told him that Taylor's seeing a guy who works at the place right across from this bookstore. <laughs> this blonde man. Anyway, Henri is there. Uh, Ryan, he says, who should I make this book out to? And Ryan says, Taylor. And gives him the best. There's a wide-eyed nod like, mm-hmm. I'm dating Peaches now, bitch. Look <laughs> at <laughs> to Peaches, bitch. Um... Uh, <laughs> But, sir, I've already been there. I, I don't understand what you mean. It's a reference to the show that you're on now. You're on my show. <laughs> and it goes immediately, well, after a commercial break, to Taylor coming in and finding the book. Which, for some reason, is, like, face down, like, open. <laughs> but Ryan, So Ryan has read this entire book more than once. Yeah, <laughs> I, read, I, I said the same thing. She comes in and it's, it's the split open uh, face down book. He says, I read it through. I'm like, then you read through halfway again, I guess? <laughs> he just reread his favorite scenes. Just highlighting them. Just like, <laughs> okay, this this is weird. That's weird. Apparently you had <laughs> sex in the channel. I don't know. Mm. And then she asks a question that gets a very weird response from Ryan. When she's like, how, well, he says, I met Henri. Then he goes, how'd you know it was him? 
And Ryan responds that he was French and smelled of brie. Dirty hair, scarf, smells like brie. And I'm like, and also, his photo's on the back of the book, and he was standing next to a standee of him. And also, the bookseller forced you to meet him. Why did you have to be racist? Yeah. (laughs) Again, and, like, this is not, well, maybe it's in character for Ryan, because he is annoyed by Henri. But it's not a Ryan joke. It's too... It's yeah. Well, and then and then well, but the resp- Taylor's response is, mm-hmm. Like, oh yes, you're you're correct. He is a French man. <laughs> it's just what is once again that '90s sitcom writer got got his fingers in here and was like, let's 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 make some jokes about the French. It'll come up a punch lot. Punch them up. You know, it punches up. Now, essentially, Ryan does not really care about what's in the book because it's Ryan. Yeah. What Ryan does care about is next boyfriend being in the same place as him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the book did definitely put him in a weird mood. Yeah. Like, be, I, I think mostly the what put him in a weird mood is that he had not read it. So he could only imagine what it could what be. the worst of things. And and so he's, he's kind of off of it. He, he's... He's weird. He's like, I'm. I gotta go to the gym, even though he's already, he's already been so, at the gym. He's so sweaty. It's it's a great it's a great exit line of being coming in sweaty. Be like, I gotta go to the gym again. <laughs> <laughs> but Taylor knows who's to blame. It's Henri. The first Neil works at Washington Mercy Hospital. Well, they could have call it Seattle Grace. Could they have just perhaps? Filmed that scene in such a way where the hospital name was not apparent. It's pretty obvious that he's in a hospital. <laughs> For yeah. some reason, Seth meets Neil at his place of work. They are they are treating it like Seattle Grace, though. They use ve- like similar no, not, not similar, but they, they use like evocative tones of it being a Grey's Anatomy. Oh, it's very Grey's Anatomy. Like, like the way the shots are done. There's actually a few times in this episode where the where they change how the episode is shot. To match like themes of the scene, and in this case, they changed this one to match how it's shot on medical procedurals. Now, quite hilarious, and there's also no reason that Seth would actually go to <laughs> Neil's work to have this meeting. Yeah, but they want to do some jokes. So Seth and Neil have their meeting. Seth explains what he wants. He plays off being like an idiot for most of it, and Neil goes, "Aha, she's pregnant." <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, she was, but she's not now. I just think, man, I just think she's real cool. I just want to know, can I get your blessing? Aha. He got a phone call. There's someone who's been gored by a unicorn. (laughs) So uh, they'll talk tomorrow. And I thought he said at rounds. And I was like, why is Seth coming back to the hospital? (laughs) But it's after rounds. It's after rounds. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Uh, Taylor visits Henri. Henri does not shower because the bourgeoisie are the only ones who shower. And also he paints a lot. And also he's not there to wreck Taylor's life. I can't figure out what Taylor but saw in this guy. He's the worst. <laughs> he is absolutely the worst. I have to imagine the only reason he, like, Taylor does sort of lay it out pretty clearly. And I think the thing is that she did not believe her own belief, which was, I was in France. I was alone. I met this guy who was very, like, like, uh. So, well, not psychically, mentally stimulating. Well, and we will find out that he is the first person that she's met who likes the intellectual things that she likes. Yeah, intellectually stimulating, not mentally stimulating. Yeah, because she's met people who like the nerd things that she likes, which is why she was really into... Seth. No, the Korean guy last season. Oh, big... 
No, they, not Big Korea. Big Korea was his cousin. It's his cousin. It's gone forever. It's gone now. He, he, he was only there for a few episodes. But this is a guy who was really into, like, the... And she didn't feel, like, a nerd. She didn't feel weird around him. Because yeah. if there's one thing he doesn't do, he does yeah. not make Taylor feel weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's way too weird. I think I think part of the reason... Because in this one, she does seem very, like, eh, Tim. <laughs> I think part of that is actually that seeing him in this environment just makes all of his stuff... <laughs> So much, <laughs> so worse. much more. So yes, he doesn't bathe at all. I guess he hates the sunshine and how everyone's so clean. He's trying to paint or sketch or something. He just wants to create art, and he's there because he's forced to be there. But he can fix Taylor's problem. Yes. He doesn't want to date her again. Absolutely, he doesn't want to be with his wife. Absolutely yeah. not. He refers to her many times in this scene as peaches, though. Yeah. Which I will. I do want you as the audience to just autocorrect in your head to boobs. Two boobs. Boobs. So, <laughs> hello, boobs. So as he says, hello, boobs, I can fix your problem. Let's have a date. You, me, and Ryan. That will fix everything. That never always turns out poorly. Yes, he's just he just entered the show. He doesn't understand. He doesn't know. He doesn't understand. I do notice he never drops his French accent, not like his fake lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they hired an actual Frenchman. Probably not. Probably not, considering all of the <laughs> really bad French jokes they do. So Julie Cooper gets a phone call from a client who's mad because her prostitute didn't wax his back. I, I guess, sure. In comes Kirsten to do some confrontations. So, somehow, even though Julie, last time when she was having to talk with Spencer, she could, like, sense Kirsten was about to come around the corner. I this th- time she can. I think Kirsten literally, like, took off her shoes and, like, snuck in through the door <laughs> then put him back on to stand there. But this is a whole bunch of more Kirsten is suspicious, but it does have one very important moment. Which is when Kirsten steals Julie's cell phone. Now, not to spoil what will happen eventually, she will hold on to it for a long time. Before she does anything with it. And I have to imagine that if this episode didn't have five plot lines going at once, we'd have some shots of her, like, hemming and hawing. Well, well, I think hemming and hawing on, like, oh, do I really distrust Julie this much? Like, am I going to intrude on her privacy by doing this? Yeah. But by cutting it out... And not having that room for debris. It just seems like Kirsten's bad at being suspicious. Yeah, she she waited long enough, and it also does kind of remember last episode with her that when uh was it uh when Sandy checked up on Frank's background and she was like, "That's an invasion of privacy." Well, now she's learned it's fine. Now she's learned it's fine to do it, <laughs> but not right now. She has to think about it no. a bit. Yeah. Off screen, where we do not know she's actually doing it. For what we get instead is a super annoying scene where Summer meets more baby noopsies whose names are Bryn and Liza. And they, they all, all look just like Holly. They, they all, they're all just Holly. They're, they are just mirror images of Holly. They all have their dogs in their purses. And Summer has a rabbit. <laughs> Pancakes. Pancakes. Now, that guy at Ryan's work still there reading a season for peaches out loud what is, yeah why who is he talking to ryan is behind him but he's sitting at the no he's not sitting at the bar he's, no, he's sitting at the bar he's sitting at the bar <laughs> ryan's behind him cleaning up some stuff off the dishes and then he just says out loud hey listen to this part <laughs> like who do you think is ryan because you know you already know that, that he, ryan knows her ryan knows peaches are you 
Are you torturing him? <laughs> are you, who are you? What is this man's story? Why are you here? And Ryan's like, you got to stop, dude. You got to <laughs> stop reading your book here. And Aaron, as someone who does like to read books in. Yeah, I love reading books at bars. I don't want to talk to people. That's why I read my book. <laughs> you don't go, hey, to, I guess just the open air. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this passage. Jarvis believes that we learn by interpreting knowledge. We are met by something called just juncture. You got to stop. You got to stop. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to eat my cactus chips. But disjuncture is a moment where we cannot reconcile I, our way of being with the universe you are, around You are us. ruining... <laughs> My delicious moment with my cactus chips. Well, then you're having disjuncture, sir. I guess what I do you am. Learn from this, I'm going home. <laughs> so Taylor is too nervous to talk to Ryan. She walks in. She sees him. She walks out. She whispers to herself. Yeah. And Ryan's like, "Hey, Summer, you psyching yourself up to talk to me?" <laughs> yeah, and this is going to be her inviting him off to uh, dinner. That's pretty much. Pretty much it. Little small moments that are sweet, but in the end, it's just her inviting him off to dinner. Summer is a baby noopsie. So noopsie. She has so much champagne and so much cheers, and all Holly wants for Christmas is an African baby? Yeah, what again? They, they do a lot of little things to make Holly just the worst human being to, to such a level, and it's... I mean, by the fact that Summer got drunk super fast, it's very clear that Summer does not enjoy this, is not enjoying this. And it's very important to me for something that will come up later that you, the listener, understands that it is made incredibly clear in the show that Summer is hating what's going on right now. Summer, in fact, hates what's going on so much that she hallucinates Che. The only thing she could possibly hate more, and she actually hates less. So it's a good comparison of, like, how much this moment is terrible for her that the man she hallucinates is Shay. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What did you learn this week? Well, I fell down a rabbit hole. And I think I found this hole because I was listening to Literary Disco, which is a podcast about literature and books. That's literature. Yeah. Hosted by many people, including Ryder Strong. You know, Ryder Strong of Boy Meets World. Oh, cool. And so then I just started like looking up OC things as of like, you know, internet, internet rap- rabbit hole. Yeah. What I found out is that the OC was on TV during the perfect time. A time where there were so many spin-off commodities. <laughs> For instance, a novelization of the um pilot and then eight subsequent novels which were like original stories starring the characters, kind of like Clueless had. Okay, well I mean, but the thing about Clueless is Clueless is also film. With one story, with like one... Nay, nay, Clueless was also a TV show. Oh, you're right, there was a Clueless TV show. Were were they were they based off the Clueless TV show? Or yes, the... because the photographs on the cover of the Clueless books were photographs of Rachel Blanchard, not Alicia Silverstone. Or Donald Faison. <laughs> he was in the Clueless TV show. As was the guy who shaves his head. He Wait. became a major character on the TV show named Sean. Donald Faison was in the Clueless TV show? Yeah. Oh, all right. Alicia Silverstone was the only one who wasn't. Oh. <laughs> I guess she had other things to do. He had other things to do. Other things to do. 
but not just were there books, eight of them. In 2015, there was a one night only, the OC the Musical. (laughs) This was so popular, it sold out within moments. Within moments. And guess who played Julie Cooper? Not Julie Cooper Nichols, Julie Cooper in OC the Musical. Um, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to guess that. The answer is Autumn Reeser, otherwise known as Taylor Townsend. <laughs> I mean. Which I love. It was yeah. like six years later and they were like, oh, well, now you're old enough to be a mom. <laughs> it could have been worse. They could have pulled a rent and been like, well, you played Taylor Townsend again. <laughs> That's true. What? <laughs> Just, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, you're what? 27? You can play a 15-year-old. <laughs> and she's like, no, I guess I'll play a 36-year-old. Cool. It's, it's <laughs> sometimes it's easier to play older than mm-hmm, it is to play younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to look up this OC series a little bit just so I could quickly see Absolutely. what we're talking about here. Okay, so the OC. Here are the eight books. They all have the in them. Because, of course you know, they do. All right, The Outsider. I mean, yes. it has Ryan on the cover. The Misfit has Seth on the cover. Ooh. Um, the Way Back, which. I think it was is an the name of an episode, episode. Um, and that has Ryan with his like with his arm kind of around Marissa, and then Seth kind of standing off the side with his mouth par- partially open. It looks like a bad publicity shot. Okay. Then they have Spring Break, not the Spring Break. Oh, weird. Then and that has all four of them. Then they have the Summer of Summer, uh. Uh, which has Seth and Summer on the cover. Then they have Bait and Switch, which has photos of like photos of the four people. And it shows, I don't know, it's hard to describe that one. Then they have Twas the Night Before Christmaca, which clearly has a still from the show of (laughs) Seth and Summer with the background (laughs) taken out. And then they have Cohen (laughs) with an exclamation point. And it just has Seth on the cover. Aaron, when do you think these books were released? Ooh, if the show was on until 2008, 2009, I mean, I guess slightly too late, 2011. Oh, Aaron, that's uh, fortunate for you. They were released in 2004 to 2006. So during the first two seasons. They were (laughs) released way too early because (laughs) it means these storylines had to fit into the show. That's a lot of work for someone. Yeah. So, yeah, The Outsider, The Misfit, The Way Back, uh, Bait and Switch are all 2004, according to Goodreads. Okay. Then Twas the Night Before Christmas, because 2005, same with the Summer of Summer and Spring Break. And then 2006 is Cohen. <laughs> From what I understand, Atomic County is also a real comic book. So we're going to get a little bit of this uh, date, not date, date. For some reason, Caitlin really loves cops. So here's an interesting thing about this. Isn't this what Julie would watch when she was pretending to, when she was cosplaying trash? Yes. (laughs) Which actually makes it very sweet. But Caitlin wasn't there. (laughs) I mean, she was there for a little bit. What I wanted to put up is that Will is, is like weirdly uncomfortable by cops. And I'm like, I don't know if you're saying this, but if this was, if this came out like, I mean, obviously not today. I mean, yeah, today. It'd be a racial thing. Yeah. This scene would be very different. And Except that isn't cops mostly cops busting white meth dealers? Yeah, but there's still like a, a yeah, thing yeah, yeah. there. So, but you, you see that they were doing that. And I don't think they're doing it no, at that I th- time. I think this is Will going, she's so dumb. Why does she like this show? <laughs> well, well, especially because it's like, it's like, you're very smart. I don't know why 
you're watching this show. And because Kaylin thinks it's hilarious because, you know, oh, the cops just ran into a... Ran into a meth lab. <laughs> into a meth lab. <laughs> Julie bursts in on this. Julie is mostly distracted looking for her phone, but she does say, have fun on your date. And because Caitlin is 15, she's like, it's not a date. And Will takes immediate, immediate offense. Well, he's he, he's he's... He's not he's not super offended right now. He's like, well, if this is how you act around your mom, how are you going to act at school? Because she's like, oh, well, it's not a date. Cause it's not dinner and a movie. He's like, well, we had dinner. After this is done, we can watch a movie. And then she's like, yeah, all right. But then he says the show's terrible. And she's like, well, maybe you just don't like it because you're not high. Do you want to smoke up? And then he goes, no, no, I can't. How dare you be Caitlin Cooper? no. no. <laughs> And off he goes. Off he goes. I thought that was going to be a thing we learn about his character. Instead, like the problem- instead, this is Will passing judgment on Caitlyn because well, he does say, um, oh, "Oh, I thought the way you were at school was just an act." Yeah. Instead of accepting that Caitlyn can contain multitudes. Yeah. Like, now I-, I didn't like it when she fat shamed the. Uh, Suffragettes. Yeah, but... the, the thing is, the Caitlyn this episode, you can sort of see what he's what he's going for, and also it very is clearly that they are on a fifteen year old date. Yeah, they're fifteen. Dating when yeah. you're fifteen is hard. Um, and I well, yeah, the, this their storyline is not done well in this episode. Once again, I think because it's crammed in with four other storylines. Yeah, there's just not enough time. And boy, we have to get to one of those other storylines. So speaking of dates, now Henri, Michelle, Taylor, and Ryan are on their three way date, and there's some stuff about post structuralist nonsense. And well, and the big thing is that Taylor and Henri spend a lot of it speaking in French, which is seems very rude. It's true. Yeah. Now, we do find out that Caitlin is going – Caitlin – that Taylor has been invited to be on this show called Je Pense, which is a literary talk show. I mean, it sounds like it is a, like – French literary talk well, show. Well, like, like – and it's, 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 like, under the auspice of literary, but it's, like, this big intellectualism, like – round table because and apparently she's been on it a bunch of times and so now it's coming to newport to talk about Henri's book how so so is the idea of how she got on it before was like when she was first introduced into the show was just Henri's wife i would assume that he was going to be on it and they were going to talk about like nin's poetry because apparently she's very good at translating sexual poetry yeah and he was like well i know someone who would be able to talk interestingly about that let me invite her yeah yeah i think that makes total sense because he does offer to her um they want to translate uh nin's poetry to english and we would like you to do it yeah now it's obvious to us the audience and this scene ryan's like Oh, dear God, me and Taylor are so, so different. Oh, God, it's happening again. <laughs> but what... I'm Ra- the boy from Chino. But Ryan does not quite have it there in his head yet. No, he'll 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 get it soon. And also, I mean, Ryan doesn't know how to <laughs> convey emotions immediately. No. He conveys them later. He has to think about he has them. To think about it. So, so he, he leaves. leaves. <laughs> to think about it. But of course, Taylor thinks it's immediately like, you couldn't help but picture us having sex. sex. And Ryan's like, ah. <laughs> He's like, now I am. You said it, so I have to think about it now. <laughs> That's not a thing you say to a person. <laughs> so the next morning is when Ryan finally figures out what's going on. Yes, he, he figures out what's going on because his dad tells him. Well, no, he figures out beforehand. He's reading French philosophy. Yes. Like, he, he figured it out pretty quickly. What was going on? He's reading Sartre. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, Sandy comes up and he's like, hey, I got to go to court today, so I'm not going to visit you at work. I have a story that is not happening on this episode. Oh, we did miss a thing earlier that I think is a very cute thing for Sandy, that he is now goes to that restaurant so much he knows. Like, he knows all of the workers. He knows the chefs. So all I can imagine is how happy Sandy was that Ryan works at a place where he can get shrimp tacos. It's also a weird, great thing that he does, like... Ryan has this thing right now where he's like, oh, I'm the guy who works at the Mexican restaurant. But that makes Sandy love him even more. <laughs> so Sandy' purpose in this scene is really to, like, at this point, Ryan knows what he's thinking, but someone has to say it mm-hmm. so the audience can kind of get where he's coming from. Because if the audience is the the target audience, they might be thinking that Ryan is worried about sex. is worried about sex because the audience is a little little teen a little audience bit younger than we are. Yeah. So Sandy gives Ryan the dad advice, which is, tell her why you're worried, sir. <laughs> and then he points out that the French also like bad things. Yeah. Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. I don't know if Jerry I, Lewis is actually, bad. I don't think that's why he says it. I think he says it because he really likes Jerry Lewis. And he and, he, and he's like, also, if you want to connect with the French, Jerry, there's always Jerry Lewis. Ah. Ah. So um, Julie continues to look for her phone. Yeah. And she... Like Sandy, dad at Ryan, she mums at Caitlin, which is like, hey, your date was cute. Hey, you're sad about your date not going well? Fix it. It is nice that Julie does know Caitlin well enough to know when Caitlin really does like someone. Because she does, as soon as Caitlin's like, no, I wasn't a date. She was like, oh, no, you definitely, you like him a lot. Yeah, fix it, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) Be better. Be better than me. I'm going to look for my prostitute phone. Speaking of her prostitute phone... Kate Kirsten finally does something with it. Yes. She reads some text messages and then she calls a client. Yes. She, uh, she, and when she first does it, she gets the details of the date. She gets the, um, like the hotel and the room and the time. And, and then she makes a call. <laughs> she reschedules the date. But only for the woman. Only for the woman. And I'm like, whoa, what? Kate. Kirsten. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Taylor is offended that Ryan could not get over thinking of her and Henri having sex. And mm-hmm. so Ryan explains through the door what's going on. This is where we get some of the more shorthand of like, hey, you're worried about page 47. And Ryan's like, I'm just worried about how smart the two of you are. And I work at a Mexican restaurant. Well, and all I could think is like, is page 47 where the big sex stuff happens? Because that book is real big and that happens real early. I think it's their first time. Okay. <laughs> their first time. And maybe her first time. No. No, wait. She had a threesome <laughs> Aaron, with Korea and the other Korean. Erin, no. <laughs> I forgot that she was dating the Korean. Well, also, Taylor's sexually liberated. Oh, that's right. She was a sex therapist. Uh, never officially. She was a sex therapist for Summer and Seth. Right. Uh, so yeah, Taylor is going is has agreed to go on Japan's, and Ryan would like to come with her. Yeah, yeah, he'd like to be there too. And this is where they have sex. Yeah, they sure do. Because he says, "Let's do that thing on page one twelve. And I'm like, "Oh, forty seven. Because forty seven was also the page that the guy in the restaurant restaurant loved. loved. So they definitely have sex right now, <laughs> and he has to be quiet about it. So they because Julie's downstairs. Caitlin's downstairs. Also, Julie might be downstairs. Meanwhile, in Seattle, Neil and Seth do Seattle things and have lunch. Yep. Uh, Roberts does say 
like, no, you, you're you not marrying her because you don't respect her. And Seth is like, the one thing I do do is respect her. <laughs> He's like, wait, I came out here to be disrespectful to your daughter so that, so that you wouldn't um, give me permission to marry her. And now you're saying I'm disrespectful to her. I love that Seth has just clowned on himself. All I can think of is that meme of DJ Khaled being, congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> and the absoluteness of how Seth has played himself. Because he goes off on how much he respects Summer and how amazing she is and all of the good things about her. Yeah, And Neil's like, yeah, no, duh. You can definitely marry my daughter when you're both adults, dum-dum. Yeah, he 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 rescinds his no to, okay, but, like, get through college first. Which is the exact, really, that's exactly what... They needed to hear. Well, and what Seth wanted to hear, because these two dumb kids playing their weird marriage chicken. Which is really a good way to start a marriage. Yeah, there's no way when they actually get married, they're not going to look back on this. Where they both know... They, they both ready. They, and they both know they both didn't want to do like because Taylor had told Summer and Seth or and Ryan, Ryan had, had told, told Seth, Seth. So they both knew the other person didn't want to do it. Yeah, that's gonna be great when you finally do it and like and you're at your wedding and, and you're, you're like, like, remember when we didn't want to marry each other and we did marriage <laughs> chicken? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile, Summer has to learn her own lesson, though I'm not sure how the seed teaches it to her. So she's still hanging out with the baby noopsies. Yeah. And Holly talks about how she doesn't want to destroy endangered owls, but she wants a jacuzzi. Yeah. And then she gives Summer her wedding dress to try on, and which I, is a thing that Holly would never do. Yeah. And is she hoping that it won't fit Summer? N- no, I think she is earnest in this moment. And it's weird because I thought this was a setup to something that I'll explain later. And it's not... Now, also, during the scene, she continues to hallucinate Che. Yes, he is behind the couch, and everyone does recognize her talking to herself. But they think she's just drunk. <laughs> He's just drunk. So she's going to go put on that wedding dress, like women do. <laughs> this also feels like it was written by that 90s sitcom writer who's like, and women try on each other's wedding dresses, right? That's like a thing. That's a thing you would do. That's a thing you do. <laughs> women, am I right? Women. So, meanwhile, Ryan watches Taylor just in her element, just talking French on that French talk show. Yeah. He gets introduced to some man. Who will actually translate it for him. Like, how's it going? Like, oh, well, they were talking about books. Now they're talking about, like, existentialism and philosophy and Johnny Depp. And Ryan's like, she looks so happy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't, okay. She... Ah, she looks happy. Great. <laughs> good, good. So... Summer puts on the dress. It, of course, looks amazing on her. At this point, I was really hoping that she actually wasn't hallucinating Shay. She was hallucinating, like, why is that guy from Everwood? <laughs> <laughs> why am I hallucinating, was it Abbott Bennett from Everwood? <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but no, I don't know. I don't really know why he's in this episode. I, like, did they guarantee him a certain number of episodes? Well, I can, I can kind of tell you why. It's because... Um, spoiler, he will, like, Che himself will eventually be in the episode. Yeah. And it's because you might as well use him. I guess we have Chris Pratt. Yeah, you might as well use him for more than that. So, um, he's, the hallucination version of him is talking yeah. to her, and he explains to her that he can't save her, only she can save herself. Yeah. Like, is, is this really what you want? Is this marriage life what you want? 
And so she goes storming – or no, she doesn't go storming down. One of the girls pops in and is like, oh, my God, you look better in that wedding dress than Holly. Don't tell her I said that. Also, we have a brilliant idea for your ring bearer. There's so many moments in here that I thought would be setups for, like, larger – it really feels like this plot line was, ex- was like, cut out somewhere else and they just put the segments in and didn't edit it because that feels like a setup for something. It also seems like that character should have more character than – Anyway, we have a plan for the ring bearer. Their plan is pancakes. Logical plan. Yeah. Less logically, they want to dye him pink. And, and they're going to do it now. And they have the dye there for a test run. And I was, I wrote this down. I'm like, oh, Summer's going to turn Holly's wedding dress pink because they're going to fight over the dye. Yes, I thought so too. No. They don't. She just goes and takes her, uh, takes the rabbit. And then, and then we leaves. never see these girls again. <laughs> and it's done. Like, it's, it's done. I'm like, wh- what? You you did such, you did such a setup and no payoff. <laughs> it's, it's such bad it's editing. Such, this entire episode is so disjointed. Well, it's not done yet. Ryan is talking to Taylor and he was so excited that she was so passionate even though he didn't understand anything that they talked about. <laughs> you could see it on her face. And, and when she said postmodernist, that was yeah. very clear. Yeah. They said voila. Voila. Uh <laughs> So then a little something is revealed. Mm-hmm. Taylor goes off to talk to someone else who's involved in the show and then she wants to leave. Yeah. Henri Michel wants to hang out and drink Pinot Noir and he wants to talk to Ryan about Hume. And Ryan says, who's Hume? And Henry Michelle says, aha, you must ask yourself every night, for Taylor has tell- told me about your deep research into him. Into skepticism. You've traveled the world. You're writing a book. And Ryan is very understandably like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. So he goes to talk to Taylor and is like, so you, you just, you're... I thought that, that that I would be that I would embarrass you, and you also thought that I embarrassed you. And Taylor's like, I mean, you didn't talk throughout the entire dinner, and I could tell that he was judging you, so I just wanted him to shut up. And the only way I could make him shut up was by making up an elaborate story. Ryan, this reflects on me, <laughs> not mean, on you. I mean, yeah, on them as well. They spoke mostly in French. <laughs> Yeah, what was he supposed to respond to? What was he supposed to say? Uh, Je m'appelle Ryan. (laughs) To be fair, it was a four-hour dinner. It may have started mostly in English. Yeah. Um, There's a weird joke about medic or like a weird insult about medication on there, which also was, again, felt weirdly regressive. But like, all of that aside, like all the dumb jokes in the storyline, it's a reasonable storyline. It's, it's a very good story. It, it went from the point where at the beginning I'm like, oh, this is sort of a fun – Like uh, wacky like, hijinks. Like wacky hijinks thing. And then when it immediately – then I was like, oh, God, it's going to have to get serious. But then when they turned it into, oh, you thought it was about the sex, but actually it is once again about Ryan's uh, disconnect of like who like who we are together. Because that is that is a big, huge theme of the OC – and they brought it back in a way that is different. Instead of it being like, oh, I'm lower class. She's upper class. It's like, oh, she is. So smart. Well, I, well it's not even that. She is. It's not even just uh, in, like, like smart. It is intellectualism. Mm-hmm. Like she is. And philosophy. Because they're not, they're not talking about architecture, which she could probably actually talk about. They're not talking about, you know, the way that buildings are, are built and the way that they're mm-hmm. designed and what that means for, you know. They're not talking about. 
uh, brutalism and things that they're talking about, existentialism and skepticism, things that Ryan... Yeah. I mean, poor Ryan, his girlfriend died in a car accident, or his best friend died in a car accident, he didn't go to college. If he had done a semester of college, yeah. who knows what sort of intellectual pretensions he would have. And well, and the, the thing is, like, this does show on Taylor, and I really hope they show it a little bit, that the fact that like, when she had to defend Ryan, she didn't defend by like, oh, he's going to Berkeley for architecture next fall. She she says, oh, no, no, he's uh, he studies skepticism. Well, I mean... It reflects on Taylor, but it also reflects on, on Henri Michel. And it yes. says that she spent enough time with him to know what would make him shut up. Yeah. But, I mean, part of it is also that, like, this, this thing, we can't discuss the storyline without knowing where it ends. And this is a good storyline that I'm interested to see where it goes because you're at a point right now where they both have a fair amount of blame to take in a relationship mm-hmm. rather than it being very clear, like, oh, they're going to very obviously fall in one direction that the OC has done a few times where it's very clear that this person is going to be in the wrong and it's usually Ryan. <laughs> but Ryan is never actually in the wrong. Yeah. Like, the, they're very bad at writing storylines because yeah. he's never actually wrong. But in this case, this is a very real conversation between two people who – honestly are feeling this way and i'm interested to see how they go with it they never focus it too hard on ryan being an architect so i that's don't... because ryan doesn't actually have any architect yeah yet yeah he's still a child but he was but remember he was like innately good at it yeah he's good at drafting <laughs> he's but a, like Aaron, he's a prodigy he's a prodigy of walls there's something to be said he, about training, and that's a thing. This anyway, we he don't un- get to- he understands walls, Aaron. Anyway, we don't get to have any of those storylines because instead, Kirsten arrives on that date that she canceled, and she figures out everything that is going on oh, fig- from figure- this dunce. <laughs> oh, figures out? You mean he just tells her? He- <laughs> she knocks on the door, immediately walks away, enters the room, and she's like, "So, what's happening?" And he He's- goes, "Ah, prostitution." <laughs> Meanwhile, Julie gets a phone call from the off at the office from Spencer being like, why haven't you responded to all of my messages? Your partner canceled Mrs. Johnson's date. And Spencer, come on, you know. Is she keeping it a secret from you as well? Like, does Spencer not know that Kirsten's not in on it? <laughs> what? Julie, what is this double blind lies? Uh, so that can, happens. Can we, I just want to talk a little bit quickly about the, the, about the, the dunce gigolo guy yeah, yeah. who when curse the way the cursing gets out of the room is she, she just goes ah oh, well uh i have to go down and get some toys and then i'll be back and when she leaves he goes oh toys sweet and he's weirdly nervous and i feel weird like it doesn't feel like he is actually that into this no i thought he was excited about the toys oh i i, I thought it just took him a moment to be like toys <laughs> like for children no toys for me <laughs> <laughs> both readings are fine <laughs> so Meanwhile, Harbor is also having a winter clothing drive. Oh man, this show this show is running out of things for kids to do. And Will is the only teenager volunteering at it. Yeah. Well, I mean they don't want to do an entire school thing. They can't do it in more dances, Aaron. No, only Marissa can plan dances. Though I will say <laughs> will say. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Keep going. So they bring back our favorite character, Daryl, mm-hmm. who's getting some jacket advice from Will. Yeah. Now in comes Caitlin. Caitlin's like, I'm a child and I get embarrassed sometimes, but I think you're cool, Will. What? 
I mean, I guess this isn't supposed to be the final accumulation of the relationship. It's funny that I brought up that it's not a dance because it feels to me like the the out for the relationship should be her doing this in front of her peers. Yeah, but if she didn't run for peers, they couldn't have that cool joke where Will's like, you know there are people who are less fortunate than you, Caitlin. <laughs> Which, A, Caitlin has been through so many financial circumstances. You don't know her, Will. Don't judge. <laughs> and B, these are her homeless friends. So while this is going on, while Caitlin is busy dealing with Will mm. at the summer-winter clothing drive, <laughs> Julie and Caitlin finally Kirsten. have their... Yep, they finally have their confrontation, which is basically Kirsten being like, so prostitution, huh? We we, we Julie, learned that apparently in the files the men are called names like Hercules or Commander Snake, which because means, Julie let them pick their own names. <laughs> and they're and Kirsten really hasn't been looking in the files, I guess. And Julie responds to this with, "It was an accident. Everyone just kept telling me to do it, Kirsten." It yeah, that's the thing. Like <laughs> I understand from Kirsten's point of view. Yes, this you you know you don't accidentally <laughs> start a prostitution ring. But Julie accidentally started a prostitution ring. She didn't accidentally continue it. She was motivated to continue it by Frank. It's weird how they just they 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 weirdly keep pulling intent off of Julie. It's continually men because it's Spencer at one point and then Frank being like, "But don't you want money? This is the <laughs> only way you could possibly have money, Julie." Yeah, it's not like your your match service might have been doing decent beforehand it's not like you're a smart resourceful woman who could do things that are not illegal <laughs> anyway kirsten's like yeah no we're not doing illegal stuff anymore you're fired dude yeah 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 it's it's just infuriating because last episode julie was like oh no i'm done i'm i'm gonna leave i don't want to i don't want to do it anymore the frank was like well it's just you you could you could do anything like it just seems like it, it really works well you could make Make some good money. You're your own person with your own thing. So you should do an illegal thing. That's and, the only answer. And I think maybe if Julie, if in this scene was more of a Julie fight back against Kirsten, I would be more like, okay, yeah. Like If, if Julie yeah, was like... If Julie believed in it for yeah, some reason. Yeah, if Julie believed in it. Instead of she's like, oh, you know what? Actually, Kirsten, you found out. Oh, we can stop right now and pretend... We can pretend it never happened. Pretend it never happened. I'm like... Why was she doing it up to this point? Because she's not fighting for it. She doesn't care about it. It's like she got tricked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're watching a storyline of a woman who was tricked into being a madam. <laughs> and as soon as any, every pushback against her, she's like, oh, I guess I'm done. Because, like, she she wants to leave so, so badly, badly. But her reasons for staying in are so flimsy. It's not like, oh, every time I try to get out, they drag me back in. It's like, oh, every time I want to get out, just, I mean. Someone says, are you sure? And I say, I'm not sure. The door's so heavy. Like, the door's kind of heavy. I don't really want to, like, push on it. I mean, I'm sitting right here in this nice, comfy chair. So, I mean, I guess I'll stay. Speaking of insane things, Summer gets a phone call. It's real life, Che. And he says he's had an out of, he's been practicing his out-of-body experiences and visualized... (laughs) owls and the owls were crying and summer was also there yeah so was he actually there Mm, Aaron, it's possible we've already had shared dream space so he explains to summer a great many things he's excited that she's engaged but then he explains to her that you know if two halves are going to become a whole together each half must be able to be a whole on their own which is which is true yeah good and that's a that's a good it's good line yeah so and then uh, he sings her song 
So we don't quite have the combination of that storyline. Yeah. First, Ryan mopes by the pool, and Sandy comes on uh, on in as mm. dad again, and is like, Ryan, differences in a relationship are a good thing. Yeah. I mean, they can be a bad thing, but you never know if they're that until you actually try. I feel like I've had this talk with you before. Ryan, sometimes it takes a <laughs> while to figure out how your differences fit together, and you probably shouldn't panic after you've been dating for... Two months? It just really feels like we've had this talk before about someone else who we will never refer to. Hmm. Huh. Anyway, couldn't be. Goodbye, Ryan. I'm not in any plot lines this episode. Summer throws away her bridal magazines. Yeah. In comes Seth. He has tidings of Neil. He explains the revelation that Neil made him come to, which was that he loves Summer so much and he will marry her, but not now. In four years. And they could be engaged yeah. for this time if they wanted. <laughs> Just be engaged if that feels like it. And then Summer will come back with a very confusing sequence of words. Which land on, yeah. I think. She wants to figure out who she actually is before she knows if she can give herself over to another person. Yeah, her thing's like, uh, I just, I was an environmentalist. And then I was a noopsie for 48 hours, and I clearly hated it, every single moment of it. But now I'm confused about what I actually want. So like, and I thought we already had the storyline where she realized she could be Old Summer and New Summer at the same time. And this is why I wanted to point out the whole thing of that it's clearly shown that she hates her moments with the noopsies. And if this had come out with her being like, I met the noopsies, and that's now what I think married life is like and I hate that image, I would be like, okay, cool. The storyline would continue, and it would be Seth trying to, like, get Convince up. Convince her that other things yeah, are marriage. Yeah, and then it would end with Summer talking to, like, Kirsten mm -hmm. or something uh, and learning about, you know, that their image of married life does not have to be the image of married life. But instead, I guess we're continuing the storyline of Summer finding herself, which is fine. Yeah, but it felt like they... It, this, I, it felt like she already came to well, her comfort with and that. And this episode was not a – like, if there were moments in her talking with Holly and being part of the where new Where she was drawn to that Where she was bit. actually, like – it's almost like – because she, she fakes it and goes like, ha, that's right. You get whatever you want. That it's like the show didn't realize she wasn't – into it and maybe they wrote it with the intention that she was supposed to be into it a bit and then the direction and the acting went a different way well, this like would, i don't know this one makes me wonder if there are scenes that were missing if, yeah if like this was supposed to be a longer a longer thing because the whole setup with the dress and the dye and the whole like her coming out and being like oh actually because her being like oh my environmentalist or maybe i do like this noopsy thing it's just it's not good it's it also is it, it what is what does it end with? It doesn't end with them breaking up. Yeah, they're just not engaged. Yeah. I do, I think uh, she does kind of give the indication that she didn't really like her environmentalist self either. So she just doesn't really know who she is. But not this episode that much. Uh. Because when when she mentions the owl, like the owl, the endangered owls, she, that's the part where she's most visibly uncomfortable because she does care about the endangered owls. So anyway, this is what it is. It will not, I'm sure it will not have any significance less next episode. So there's really no point in us. It's just a reason for them to not be engaged so they could probably do the final episode as them getting like actually engaged in front of everybody. 
So then West Coast by Coconut Records plays, which is Jason Schwartzman's band. And it seems like it's going to be our montage. Mm -hmm. But it's actually not a montage. No, it's just Ryan and Taylor. Because Ryan's looking at the scrapbook. And then he runs to Taylor. He runs to her. And it's and it's shot like a romance. There's like the the there's like slow motion and, and he kisses her in front of the fake the, Eiffel Tower that's on the set of Japan's. They do the they do the the bright like the 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 romance lighting of it very soft and kind of blurry. But it turns out that doesn't actually happen. No. Ryan puts the scrapbook di- Ryan puts the scrapbook down and he thinks of Taylor. But he does not run. But then it's really implied <laughs> that he apparently still has a psychic connection to Taylor. Because Taylor also imagined that happening <laughs> and is very distracted as on Re Michelle talks to her. So it, it, it fears me that, that I guess that whole psychic connection has remained. <laughs> the, the thing they had in their shared dream apparently is lingering. So she stares off into the middle distance. On Re Michelle asks her what's up. She's like, I gotta go. And he's like, stay with me. And, and apparently we... he has some sort of creepy, compelling power because yeah. she stays. Well, once again, I assume because he's currently in an environment where he's the <laughs> only one there. Henri is <sighs> irresistible when there's no other human being around. <laughs> Does seem to be his plot point. So, Aaron... Yes, Kevin. As we said, there's a lot in this episode that's... So we're running a little bit long, but it's a long... Ep- it's, God, I, this episode has so many points where I thought it was going to end, and then it didn't. <sighs> but did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic stole a cell phone from its best friend and then just held on to that cell phone for 24 to 48 hours, doing nothing with it, not looking at it, not thinking about should I snoop in this, just... Having it. I feel like your introduction bit gives you the gives the ability to choose two CW moments. I don't think that's fair. Well, you could do the metaphors if you wanted. No. They're not great. <laughs> They're hard. <laughs> you could plan them out beforehand. I never. All right. So did I find a CW moment? I did. Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> which which one? Is it fat shaming a suffragette? <laughs> All of it. All of it. All of all of the Caitlin and Will storyline, which was which is supposed to be this weird kind of almost meet cute, and it's not. It's so illogical. I don't understand why Chris Brown is on this TV show. I don't understand why Caitlin is behaving in the way she's behaving. It's so weird because I get what they're going for, but they're doing it so doing poorly. It, yeah, they're doing it very poorly. Like, like, is it just that I don't care about teenagers anymore? <laughs> Well, the thing I like about it is that, that it is a different relationship than we'd seen in other ones, which is that Caitlyn has a pro- has a, has different reasons for not letting people in or showing – like, she is so good at putting up walls because that is what she had to do her entire life. And I just think she could be such a good, interesting character with, mm-hmm. like, levels, but and instead it- they're like, Haha, she likes cops. And, well, and Will is a fine um, – Pairing off to that because he is the supposed to be the only person at um, Harbor that at, like sees through her. Yeah, that 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 isn't like because even though the people, if the other people are like you know like the like the the actual uh, popular kids are are you know kind of like eh, eh Caitlyn, eh, they still have a weird like pseudo fear well, respect. She, of she her. does rule the school. Yeah, except that it's just and like 
the other episode when they implied that she didn't care about ruling the school. She only cared about taking care of her little ward friends. Yeah, it really feels like they don't really know what, like, it feels like they kind of know what they want to do with her, but they don't fully know how to. No one's talked about it. The character sketch of Caitlin is like, tough on the inside, soft on the outside, needs a dad, loves wards, <laughs> too cool. That, so uh, tough on the inside, soft on the, soft on the outside. Needs dad, thinks wards are cool. Also tough on the outside, and there's like a layer in the <laughs> middle that's soft. Like she's got a lot of layers of tough, soft. She's like a weird nougat, but if you put like another chocolate bar in the middle of the nougat, this is all written in the story document. And then no further information. So each person <laughs> who writes an episode is like, um, played by Willa Holland. This. <laughs> Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I did. And it's got to be Kirsten's entire plan of, I don't know what's going on here. I have no... Because she clearly doesn't... If she had even an inkling of what was going on... She wouldn't have, like, put herself in the position. Like... (laughs) So what did she think Julie was doing? Well, and not only that, when we actually get into the, like, okay, I've I've replaced myself with, uh, with Miss Johnson, and... Now I'm going there. And then she enters the scene and he just says to her, this is like, like he says the words are, you put the money on the nightstand and then we get nasty or nice, whatever you want. So he says, this is prostitution is what he, yeah. Yeah. He explains to her, this is prostitution. There's no, it's weird to say, there's no hijinks. There's nothing in that there's scene. There's no investigation. There's nothing in that scene that could not have also been her just figuring out where they are, going to the hotel, seeing a woman walk up to the door, open the door, and there's like the college student there, and then they start kissing at the door, and the door and it's shut, or she hands money off very obviously. Because and... Kirsten knows they're a dating service. They're not a hotel room service. Yeah, like... Like, really, the hotel room was all she needed. Yeah, like, she could have just seen that and she could have come to the same conclusion without this weird extra dramatic moment of like oh my god she's going in herself because it just seems dumb it's just dumb (laughs) it's a really if you do not know what's going on it's putting yourself in the middle of it like what is her out if it wasn't anything innocuous it it was just that miss johnson likes to have dates in hotels because her husband never takes her on trips then then what what does she say oh actually i'm the owner of this service and i was here because i didn't know what was going on and then that spreads throughout the community that like oh sometimes the owner of the service will just might be on the date will just insert themselves into the date and you won't even know like that is that is so (laughs) so wild and i thought that maybe what it was going to be is that Julie heard about it and was able to switch it out at the last moment. Because Spencer did call her. Spencer did call her, but it's none of that. It it's... was just so that Julie could be at the office when Kirsten went there. No, it was just to put an extra amount of drama on it. What do you mean, partner? It's all dumb. So that's the OC. We did not like... Well, did we like it? We liked It's hard to tell with this episode... Because I do believe that when they originally were making the show, I think they thought they were going to have more episodes this season. Nothing has made it clearer to me than this episode that they thought they were going to have more episodes. There's so much crammed into her here, and there's so much clearly cut out of these storylines. The fact that we didn't have a scene of Kirsten deciding whether or not to actually do like, something with do the phone. phone. Because we, we have the moment when she takes the phone of her being like, am I going to take the phone? Yes, I did take the phone. 
And it's so it's so counter to what she was last episode, and she's like, that's an invasion of privacy, Sandy. How dare you follow up on someone because you're concerned about their nefarious doings? <laughs> you just suspected that he might be a bad person because of the stuff you saw in his file and what he has done in the past? I would never do that by <laughs> judging Julie of the suspicious things I've seen her do in front of me and the stuff she's done in the past. I would I would never do that, Sandy. I'm the moral core. It's just the proximity. So <sighs> if you think that maybe this show had more episodes or should have had more episodes or something, please tell us on social media. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. You can on Instagram, on Twitter, or you can email us at podcastmoa at gmail.com. Please give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. We have so much content to find for you because <laughs> Riverdale's not coming back until January and we are determined to amuse and entertain you between then. So tell people we're amusing and entertaining. <laughs> we're holding on for you. Yep. And we'll be back next week for, I guess, the final run of uh, of the OC. It's episode 11. There's only 16. Ooh. Ooh. Did Taylor stay with Henri? Can Seth and Summer take a step back? Will that man ever find someone to share his book with? Answers all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>